grab a seat. I think there's still plenty of pastries and coffee and tea in the back, so feel free to, to grab those. want to hit a couple of announcements for you, explain what all the uh, excitement is in the lobby with the t-shirts and the balloons and everything, and just kind of bring everybody up to speed. First of all, if you're a guest or a visitor, we want to make sure that you feel welcome in here. So if at any point uh, you want to go get another uh, bagel or go to the restroom or get some more coffee or keep talking, um, then uh, we want you to feel at home to do that. So I'll just hang out up here by myself. Uh, so we're, we're super excited uh, for this morning. We've got a, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, the first one we want to let you know is uh, every week we want to connect with you. Uh, and that's pretty intentional on our behalf is because we know that uh, just coming and sitting down in a chair and, and attending a service uh, can be good at first, but after a while you kind of want to connect uh, with people. So we want to be able to connect uh, with you. Uh, in, a, in a way that is uh, not intrusive or intimidating. Uh, and we also want to do it at your pace. So when, when you're ready to have a conversation with us, we'd like to have a conversation with you. And, and that uh, basically looks like a cup of coffee uh, where we uh, sit down with you and, and hear your story and allow you to hear the church's story, what's going on in the life of the church, and maybe how you might be able to connect around here and make some friends and build some community. Uh, and, and maybe you bring some needs in so maybe the church can help you uh, with some of those needs. But we never want to force that. Uh, we always want that to be kind of at your pace. And so uh, if you've been attending here for several weeks, several months, several years, and you're just now ready to have that conversation, then we'd certainly like to uh, have that conversation with you. You can do it on two ways. One, we have an app that's free on both iOS and Android for Rock Creek Church. It's free. You can also do it at the uh, front desk. There's a little kiosk iPad there. Just give us a little bit of your information, and then we'll be in touch with you this week uh, and get that set up. So two pretty easy ways. You can also just come up and talk to us after the service as well. Next, uh, uh, this is pretty important. Uh, next week, we are going to take a, uh, a slight pause in our series uh, that we're doing. We're finishing up I Love Rock Creek Church, or I Love My Church uh, today. Uh, in two weeks, we'll be launching a new series on the book of James, where we're going to walk through the book of James. However, next week, uh, and this is both an invite and an ask, we are taking the entire morning uh, next week, and we're doing an entire morning on mental health and suicide awareness. And we're bringing in some experts from down in Colorado Springs at a counseling center. Uh, if if I were to, to ask you, and we're not going to do that this morning, but if, if I were to say, hey, how many of you know someone who struggles with some sort of mental health crisis? How many of you know someone who has thought about, planned, uh, actively tried, or been successful at suicide? It is a topic in the church that has often been ignored, and on behalf of the church worldwide, I want to say we're sorry about that. Uh, it should not be. It should be talked about very, very frequently. It should not be a voodoo topic that is ignored and brushed under the rug. And in a room this size, and even for those listening online, um, we can only guess how many people, whether present here or, or connected family members or friends or coworkers or neighbors, struggle with some sort of mental health 
uh, crisis or have had suicidal uh, thoughts and tendencies. So we're going to still do worship. And then uh, we are bringing in uh, the gentleman on the left is Dr. Mark Mayfield of Mayfield Counseling down in Colorado Springs that specifically focuses on mental health uh, illness and uh, suicide prevention, especially with teens. Uh, the gentleman on the right uh, is his intern going through his master's degree working uh, in the counseling center. Also ends up being my nephew, uh, Trevor. Both of these gentlemen have tried to take their life uh, in the past, have wrestled and come out in a healthy way through mental health uh, struggles and depression and anxiety uh, and judgment and are now in a place where they are serving in a clinical way uh, to help others. So this will be a discussion for a couple of different things. One, it's going to be a discussion to help you if you are struggling with that to give uh, some insight and some direction. It's also going to be for those of you who have loved ones who maybe are struggling and you're like, I have no idea how to even work with that. It will be from a biblical uh, basis from a, uh, from a creation of God's standpoint on how God has made us and, and how we are, are, are meant to be lived out in this life. Um, but we'll also have uh, some deep-rooted psychology in that. I want to ask you to be bold and invite everybody who you might know that may need to hear this topic. Uh, it's not going to be a sermon. It will be uh, one of our tables with three chairs up here, and we're just going to, three of us, have a discussion on this topic, uh, and then there will be follow-up uh, as well. And so, please, if you know friends, neighbors, coworkers, loved ones who maybe have had children struggle or, or a spouse struggle, please bring them so that they can hear a little bit more understanding and some biblical truth surrounding uh, this critical topic that desperately needs to be talked about uh, in the church. Okay, so that's that's next Sunday. Uh, next slide is uh, we are, have uh, been introducing our lead team to you. That's what's going out in the lobby uh, there. And this morning, I want to bring up Beth uh, and Chris Tesea. Uh Both are here, so come on up. You guys can give them a round of applause. Yes. So we have several teams that are out into the lobby. We also have the Pope uh, come on up here for base camp and Alex for Thrive. Uh, what we've been trying to do every couple weeks is just bring up uh, some more ministry leaders that are, are, are the extension of the leadership of the elders and the pastoral team in running ministries. And uh, beautiful Beth Shevlin is going to be uh, heading up. Um, the outreach and missions portion. Uh, she was almost born uh, to do that. It's a God seed planted in her heart. Uh, Chris Desea is going to uh, be heading up and leading the larger communication tech uh, ministry of a church. And you go, well, hey, we're a small church. Well, we still have a lot of ways to improve and use technology, et cetera. So uh, Chris and his team, you know, Alex, he's the jack of all trades up here. He uh, leads us in worship. He runs middle school ministry, uh, Thrive, and high school ministry, Thrive, and everything else. So him and his team. And then Mark, uh, the Pope, Popenhagen, uh, runs our base camp ministry for all of our uh, littler kids up through sixth grade. And so they are uh, going to be leading in some special ways. Before we commission them, actually, I'm going to ask all the elders, to, uh, if you're present, if you'd come up, we're going to pray over them and commission them. Uh, after the service, 
Uh, we have several tables uh, set up on all of these different ministries that we've been talking about. Uh, it, it encompasses uh, life groups, needs, uh, safety and security, missions and outreach, facilities, worship, tech ministry, base camp, thrive, you name it. And what we're going to ask you to do after the service is just, we're going to be ending a little bit early, is just to go out, make your way around the table. You're not committing your life to any of these ministries, but you might be able to see where your gifts might be applied in the church with the different teams that are available uh, to you. Uh, we'll have ministry leaders at all the different tables that it can explain uh, what, it, what it means to be involved on their team, uh, what time demands, be very upfront with some of those, but also explain to you uh, some of the things that you would be doing and some of the needs that need to be filled. Now, this is for everybody. Uh, it's both for those who would like to help lead an area or, for instance, if you'd like to just help out with a need, meaning, uh, hey, if someone needs a dinner and there's a meal train, I'd love to be on that team. You can go stop by the needs uh, table, see Amy Hansen, and you could say, hey, if anybody ever needs a meal, I'll help out with that. But we also need ministry leaders for those things. Does that make sense? Okay. So we are going to be uh, praying over these four, commissioning them uh, as we uh, launch this great ministry year. So God, thank you. Uh, thanks so much for the Pope. Thanks for Beth. Thanks for Chris and Alex, uh, how they serve and give and give and give in ways that are uh, way above and beyond uh, the call of, of normalcy. Uh, in fact, you wake them up at night. Uh, and, and you put things that are heavy on their hearts and they respond to that. So as they go into this year, as they build their teams, as they grow their ministry teams, uh, would you bring life and fruit uh, to their efforts? Would they be the hands and feet of Jesus uh, so that we can be obedient to your call? Uh, we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. All right. Thanks, you guys. So we're, we're super excited uh, for them. I don't know if we have another one. Oh, yeah. So that's, so Luke chapter 10, verse 2, that, that's our slide for this. You can look that up. It talks about uh, a prayer that we have been praying on a regular basis, and that is a prayer for laborers. Uh, there, there is something uh, very unique to what we do here. This is not a club. Uh, this is not a social engagement. Uh, this isn't something that you volunteer for and, and you come and be a part of your kid's school. This is something that, that goes well beyond uh, the tangible, well beyond what we can touch and see and experience. Uh, what we do here, what, what we experience in worship and the reading of the word and serving together is something that is eternal. It's the only thing in this life uh, that is eternal. Everything else passes away. Uh, our kids pass away. Our jobs pass away. Our cars pass away. Uh, the work that we do for God is something that goes above and beyond and, and beyond us. And Luke chapter 10, verse 2 talks about this prayer of praying for more laborers, more, more people that will serve and give and, and pour out. And, and I'm going to invite you to join us uh, in that prayer. So this morning, we are jumping into our very last week of this series, I Love My Church. Uh, 
And what we're doing is we're giving a couple of different things to you. One, we're giving you reasons why you should love this church. We're also giving you reasons of, of uh, or answers rather on how do we perform and execute discipleship? What do, what do we do to grow someone in Christ. And so we have this incredible mission statement that comes directly from uh, the scriptures, and that is to say that our mission, uh, that is Rock Creek Church, our mission is to equip every person to take the next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're in a life group, we've asked all the life group leaders to quiz you on this mission statement on a regular basis. Life group leaders, I hope you're doing that. The reason for that is because words matter and promises matter and intentions matter. And our goal literally is to try to equip every single one of you to take the next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. We don't exist for your comfort. We don't exist for you to have a good time. We don't exist for everything to be run as you would run it. Now, some of those things, a lot of those things will happen, but that's not why we exist. We exist so that at the end of the day, you can look back on your year and go, wow, I've grown in Christ. I've grown in my relationship with Jesus. That's why we exist. So we have looked at belonging, growing. Last week we looked at serving, and this week we're ending with the idea of reaching. I want to read a couple passages to you. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says this, uh, talking about Jesus as he appears to the 11 disciples. And he says, while they were eating, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. He doesn't really mince his words. He doesn't really uh, take it slowly. He just says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all of those. And then he goes on to talk about baptizing them and training them and, and, and discipling them. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, we have the Great Commission. We've talked about this over the last several works, or uh, rather last several weeks. Go into all the world teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And surely I am with you always. This, this great command, this great commission on if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if, in, if you were to call yourself a Christian, this is your mission. You can choose to deny it, but to deny the mission means to deny your even allegiance to Jesus Christ. Now, there's some good things that come about of what's going on in our world. I know if you turn on the news at any point, uh, you can get depressed pretty quickly, but there are a lot of great things happening in the kingdom of God. That's what matters. A couple of things that are happening. Never in history have so many Muslims turned to Jesus Christ. Never before in history. Jesus is changing more heart and drawing more people to himself like we've never seen before. Never has the gospel been in the hands of more people and people groups than ever before in the world's history. That means the tangible scriptures, whether it be a scroll or a Bible, or if you're like me, my phone or a tablet, never before has it been in the hands of more people all around the world. But there's still work to be done. 
there's approximately 7,000 unreached people groups that still exist today. I want to wrestle with some of these uh, statistics. Stats aren't everything. If you've ever been around someone who just throws out stats, it gets old pretty quickly because you can tweak stats to, to match what you want to say. Some of these are very, very factual to, uh, to address our issue. This 7,000 unreached people groups are 7,000 groupings of people, culture, communities that have not yet been reached with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Not that they haven't had, you know, someone come down and do a VBS for them. They don't even know what a VBS is. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know what the Bible is. They have no idea what sin or salvation or redemption is. And that is approximately 3.1 billion people. As of October 2017, over 1,600 languages are in need of some form of biblical translation. Not 1,600 people. 1,600 languages don't have any form of Bible translation. <laughs> Some of you have heard of the Joshua Project or Wycliffe uh, Bible uh, Translation, and they have uh, teamed up with this radical, audacious goal that by 2025, all languages will be in process of being translated. Think about that. That's, Lord willing, that's in our lifetime. That by 2025, the process will have been started, not completed, because it takes a long time to translate the Bible into a brand new language. But that by 2025, all languages will at least be in process. Over 1.5 billion people still do not have the scriptures in their first language. They maybe have it in other languages that they don't know. Think about if I were to hand you a French Bible, they'd be great, you have the Bible, um, but unless you know French, that's not going to help you all that much. Then there's the 1040 window is, is still a real thing. This 1040 window of those who are uh, clearly numerically lost, this is India, China, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Nepal. How many of you have heard of the 1040 window? It's okay if you haven't. How many of you never heard that phrase once, the 1040 window? Raise your hand. Okay, good. This, this is a good thing. So the 1040 window is a rectangular area in North Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. It's about 10 degrees and 40 degrees north latitude of the equator. It's this rectangle area of our globe, if you would. And it's been deemed and called the 1040 window. It's often called the resistant belt. And it includes the absolute majority of those on this earth that are Muslim, Hindu, and Buddhists. They certainly exist in all around the world, but it is this 1040 window is the absolute bulk of those who fall into these categories of Muslim, Hindu, Buddhists. And there's a lot of reasons that they're still lost. It's a reason why this is called uh, the, the rectangular area of the lost or the resistant. There's a lot of 
terms, but it's called the 1040 window for its longitude and latitude. One is biblical history. And I'm not going to get into politics, but I will say this. If you ever watch the news, sometimes they begin talking about other countries that uh, America might be going And yet, for you and I who have read primarily the Old Testament, we realize you're going into something that has been wrestled with in biblical history for thousands of years. Are you guys with me? That's as far as I'm going to go as as far as politics. But what it says is, Ecclesiastes tells us there's nothing new under the sun. There have been communities and cultures that have been clashing and struggling over biblical commands from the very beginning of time. And so that's one of the reasons the 1040 window is such a difficult place. They're the least evangelized countries. Why? There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons. Uh, One of them might be, I would much rather go to Hawaii and do evangelism than Bangladesh or Nepal or Bangkok or China or Pakistan. There's also uh, the the reasons for expenses and, and safety and where do you stay? And the list goes on. But this area, this 1040 window is the least evangelized in the entire world. We're getting ready as a church to go down to Juarez. It's great. We're absolutely going to Juarez, and it is a great thing. But do you know how many missionaries have been to Juarez? A lot. But there's places in this world that not a single foot of a missionary has stood. It's dominant Buddhist and his, uh, Muslim and Hindu sects. It's a very poor area. We tend to think about what we would describe as poor, and yet you go to this 1040 window and you have no idea what poor is. We tend to think of places in Mexico or Haiti or the Dominican Republic that are considered poor, and they certainly are. And yet if you go to this 1040 window, it clearly defines poor. There's also a stronghold of Satan that has been on this area, that has held a grip on this area that is abundantly clear. The Bible says that the ruler of this world who will will be defeated in the end is Satan. And boy, does he have a grip on this area. And then there's the practical. Uh, Most of their governments are unofficially opposed to anyone coming in that's going to bring the name or love of Jesus. Many blatant with their opposition. And so we don't go. Worldwide, Christianity is growing at 1.2% a year, while Islam is growing at 1.9% a year. There's, There's a problem. There's a problem because we're not going. Now, let me, let me preface this entire talk. This is not a guilt talk. This is a let's deal with reality talk. 
Let's deal with the realness of the commission that God has given us all throughout the scriptures, specifically at the end of Mark and Matthew by Jesus himself, to go and do and to make and, and what it, we're supposed to do and what the numbers show that historically leading up to today, even though there's some good news, there's still a lot of work to be done. And as followers of Jesus Christ, this is our business. I would be as bold to say this, if you're here or you're listening online and you're say, you say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm a Christian, I am going to spend eternity with the Father someday, you can't ignore this. You cannot get in the car and drive away and go, not my problem. This is our mission field. And, and what we're doing here is we're kind of giving an update on our progress and, and an update on how we're doing and where, what work still needs to be done by all of us. And, and I do mean our, our work still needs to be done. I want you to write this down or take a picture of this. Global missions is not intended for a select few. Every follower of Jesus needs to be engaged in some way by giving, praying, sending, and perhaps even going. I believe this with all of my heart, not because it's my opinion. I believe it with all of my heart because as I read the scriptures over and over and over, we don't have an option but to be some way involved in the gospel message of Jesus Christ going all around the world. It's not up for us to, to get together for a meeting and vote and go, yeah, we're going to do, do something different. Because to do, to do so would be to, to separate ourselves from the exact commission and command that God has given us. And so it's great that we create a sense of belonging here. It's great that, that we have life groups and we're growing and, 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 and getting deeper in our relationship with Christ. It's great that we're, we're serving in children's ministry and setting up tables and, and getting coffee ready and greeting and, and, and serving in Thrive. It's great that we're doing that. But if we fail to complete the call then we are not only missing out on God's call for what we're supposed to be involved with for the kingdom of God, but we fail ourselves in our own discipleship process because it's both our directive from Jesus and our gift from God. It's our directive because that's how he has chosen to accomplish his work on this earth. He could have done it any other way, but he chose you. Well, I'm busy. I get it. But he chose you. Well, I'm scared. I get it. But he chose you. I've got a lot of other things going on. I know. But he chose you. He could have done it any other way, but God chose to use those who he saves to do the work of the kingdom of God. And we get to be a part of something bigger. We get to play a part in God's plan for the entire world. 
Sometimes we can just think about Boulder or what's outside of our window or, or, or our neighborhood, but do you realize God calls us to be a part of something so big we can't wrap our minds around it? So big that we get lost in it and we don't know where the end of the road is going or, or what's going to be accomplished? And, and I get it. There are a lot of problems in this world. Anybody agree? Okay, we're all on the same page. A lot of problems in this world. The chief among them is that humanity is separate from God. That's the problem. And doggone it, I wish Christians would be way more fired up about that than what they see in the news. Because it literally infuriates me. Something happens in our culture, and boy, do we get fired up. Something doesn't happen in the kingdom of God, and we sleep like a baby. It's not acceptable. I want to read from 2 Corinthians for you real quick. If you guys can open, I'll just read from the screen. Here's our job as a church and as individual believers. Here's our job. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again by giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, listen, friends, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Sub out ministry, you could say job. Sub out job, you could say calling. Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for God. God making his appeal through who? Us. Bless you. Can I be honest with you? There are many times I don't want the job. 
I wish there was another way. Because I'm tired or I'm selfish or I'm busy. I get it. But we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled for God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, for that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, listen, I'm just the deliverer. You cannot be a Christian and care less about those who don't know God. It's not possible. You cannot just turn the other way and look the other way and and not care. Jesus has commanded every disciple to make disciples. And for that to be the priority of one's life. I, I get it. This is, this is not a great church growth uh, sermon. It's not a happy, happy, rah, rah, everybody's welcome. Just sit back and enjoy yourself. I get it. But in the Great Commission, Jesus tells us what our mission is. And as we've pointed out in this familiar version of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, we find Jesus telling us, go and make disciples. You know what an excuse is? Well, the way I live that out is I make disciples in my family. My, my number one priority is making my, my kids disciples. That's wonderful. I just don't see that in Scripture. Our mission is to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples and make disciples. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, this is from the Amplified Version, it says, And he said to them, Follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher, and walking the same path of life that I walk, and I will make you fishers of men. There's a progression there. And notice how Jesus defines a disciple in his call that he issued to his disciples. Notice how he defines what a disciple of him is. A disciple is one who knows and follows Christ. Not just knows of, but knows and follows Jesus. Number two is being changed by Christ. We talked about this several weeks ago in the growing portion. You want to know if you're growing in your relationship with Christ, take a look at the fruits of the Spirit. Apply those to your life and go, am I improving? Am I growing? Is God doing something that's better in me? It's a good indication. And then the last one, am I committed to the mission of Christ? That's what a disciple is. That's how the Bible describes a disciple of Jesus. That's not how Rock Creek describes it. It's not how Brian describes it. This is how the Bible describes what a disciple of Jesus is. It's this priority of reaching. And you and I, can, we can know and follow Christ, and, and our church can certainly help with that. If you're new around here, we can certainly help you with that. We can help you grow. We can give you discipleship tools. We can help you get signed up for a team that is growing your faith. We can do a lot of things to help you grow. 
but we will fail to be the disciple-making church that Christ calls us to be unless we empower and equip and motivate you to be on mission. If in your own life or, or abroad. And part of that is a global effort that is required by all who follow him. Our goal as a church, as an elder board, is that 100% of those who call Rock Creek Church home will have been or will go on a mission trip of some kind at least once in your life. At least once. Some of you have been on, on, man, you've been on so many mission trips, you can start leading them for us. Some of you have never been. Do you know the percentage, the current percentages of adults that go to church right now is under 20% have ever been on a mission trip? And yet, those same experts will say, nothing is more impactful in your relationship with Christ than going on a mission trip. You see the problem. That which is best for our faith and growing our faith and, and challenging us and allowing our hearts to be broken, 80% of our adults in the church worldwide haven't done it. And so our goal is to change that. We have this crazy, audacious goal that 100% of you who say, hey, Rock Creek's my home. If you've never been, our goal is to help you find one. And there are plenty of people who have been to Haiti and Africa and Waret. We'll go with you. We'll help you. If you're scared to death, so are we. Or we have been. We'll go with you. We'll help you. Because it's more than just going and helping those. It's about your discipleship process. It's about you being groomed and grown in Christ. Often on the mission field, it's not about what you're going to go do. Around my house, Sandy will call me the, like the fixer because things are always breaking. And sometimes in my ability to try to fix, I break <laughs> or I hurt myself. And I make matters worse. Sometimes we're called to fix it. Sometimes we're called just to listen. And, and the mission field is, is kind of a loose thing. So don't ever think, well, man, Brian's saying I have to go on the mission field and, and care about the world worldwide because I need to somehow fix it. No, 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 no. That's not it. Sometimes it's because God wants to change something in you. I want to give you a picture of what heaven's going to be like because we do this. I want to give you a picture of um, what heaven's going to be like because we do church. It's incredible. If you've never read uh, the scriptures, if you've never uh, studied the book of Revelation, uh, getting ready for what eternity is, is going to be like because we do church, because we go on mission field, because we serve the least of these, because we care. Uh, listen to this unbelievable description. 
First of all, there's these four living creatures. Don't focus too much on that. I'll freak you out. But they're doing something really cool. They're holding these golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the people. Let's start there. The hires are adopting Amelia. And we have been praying and praying and praying. They're going into a bowl. A, a golden bowl. And then these creatures sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And you have made them to be the kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and all the elders in a loud voice. They sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that's kind of cool, and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped. That is heaven. And there will be some there singing because we went. And they will have tears in their eyes because someone chose to care. You want to know what we're about as a church? We've described it the last four weeks. I don't know how else to describe it, who we are. And you're invited to be a part of this in a big, big way. That's much bigger than you. So I'm going to encourage you after, after we do some worship here, go peruse the tables, take a look, find out your place. Look, if you don't like kids, don't sign up for kids ministry. If you're not ready yet to do a mission trip, don't, don't go by the mission table. That's fine. If you're scared of cuts and blood, don't go to the safety and security team. We want you to serve and to be you. But then please give us the freedom to help you take a step in, in growing in Christ. Please give us that freedom. Let's stand and pray together. So Lord, our prayer as, as we go to a time of, of, of singing, uh, a time of, of reflection, a, a time of examining our priorities and our values and, and our calling. 
God, we need you to center us. We need you to, to center our hearts and our minds on, on what is it that we're on this earth for. Our prayer right now is for, for those all around the world that wish they could do church and they can't. Our prayers for brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ that wish they could gather together like this and have a cup of coffee and sing a song, but they can't. And our prayer is for future brothers and sisters in Christ that don't even know about you. They haven't even heard about you. And it is a, a, a window that is untouched, but not forever. For your word says that you will come again when every people group have heard of you. And so God, I pray whether it's Denver Rescue Mission, downtown Boulder with our homeless friends, the dear city of Juarez, Africa, Vietnam, India, China, Nepal. Would you take our church outside of these walls with the truth that you've given to us so that we could be a church that's reaching out? In Christ we pray.